You're listening to Vincenzo Landino on the Brand Boost Podcast, powered by Zoom. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Brand Matters Live, episode number 10. I had to hop the seat because Vincenzo decided to go on break real quick before we started. So uh, <laughs> what's up, Vincenzo? Are you still finishing your water? <laughs> yeah, right. What's going on, bud? Not too much. Welcome to your show. <laughs> Welcome to, uh, yeah, Brand Matters Live. I've got a... Uh... I've got some awesome folks on the show with me, aside from you, Rob. Chris Brogan joins us, and so does Roberto Blake. Uh, today's topic, though, is something that, at least in the marketing space, in the YouTube world, actually, it seems like the whole world would even know about this, as uh, the Wall Street Journal is on the front page, right under uh, Flynn resigning or getting fired, uh, which was major U.S. news. And so... It brings a lot of questions to light about influencers, about free speech, about brands, how they should be handling uh, working with folks like YouTubers or and other influencers. So the discussion today is going to be based around this, but we'll have uh, various perspectives as well. We have a YouTuber, Roberto. We've got a, an amazing marketer, Chris Brogan, who's worked with many brands, consults with, uh, you know, everyone across the board and Chris Brogan knows everybody. So he's got his ear to the ground when it comes to uh, what's going on with a lot of things. Even if, uh, even if actually Chris is here, right? Yeah. Chris is there. Mm -hmm. uh, even if he's uh, not always 100% familiar with things, he hears a lot. So I, I'm really, really interested in hearing him on it. And Chris wrote an article about advertising. Yeah. We'll hurdle. bring that up in a second, a few minutes. Yeah, perfect. So before we get into it though, I want to say that, uh, you know, I want to keep this as a civil discussion to the audience. If you have comments, if you have questions, please drop them in below, whether you're watching on Facebook, whether you're watching on YouTube, uh, or you're watching it where it's wherever it's syndicated, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, please keep the conversation civil. Keep everyone in mind that is also viewing with you. Uh, we like to have civil discussions here. As you know, or if you've watched the show before, we've talked about politics and brands before. Uh, and we've had very, very civil, civil discussions all across the board. So, And it will stay that way. This week is no different. <laughs> That's right. Well, before you keep going, let me say hi to Avery Ratz is in here. Uh, Mark Waith's in here. Terry Johnson's in the uh, room. And uh, if you guys are watching and you haven't left a comment, I may not be able to see you. So uh, please leave a comment so we can say hi to you on air. Yeah. Uh, Mark uh, Mark Goeth is also in the house as well. So thanks, Mark, for uh, tuning in over at Dot .Live, one of our our big supporters here by our live show. Before we introduce Roberto though, Roberto made a video in regards to this topic yesterday. So just before we bring him on screen, let's roll the video so everyone can see what uh, Roberto's take on this was. Felix, Felix, Felix. YouTube isn't all fun and games. Hey everybody, this is Roberto Blake of robertoblake.com and unfortunately, we're not creating awesome today. We have to talk about something less than awesome that affects the entire YouTube community. Today we're gonna to be talking about PewDiePie not only being dropped by Maker Studios and Disney, but YouTube canceling his YouTube Red series, Scare PewDiePie, and what this means for the YouTube community as a whole, what you can learn from this as a creator yourself, and how these actions impact the companies, the brands, and the business side of YouTube. 
Now, first of all, I have to preface this with saying that while I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of Felix's content because it's just not really for me, I do enjoy some of his videos, and I actually do think that he is a good guy and that he was well-intentioned more often than not. All right, so that was just a little 30-second snippet of the uh, of the video so you guys could get it. I yes, definitely I encourage you to go to... Well, I definitely encourage you guys to go to Roberto's YouTube page. You did it yesterday. Subscribe and uh, watch the video. Yeah, let's bring Roberto on screen and let's welcome him to the show. Roberto, how the heck are you, my friend? Uh, uh, video's great. I think your perspective is is one that many of us share. Uh, what urged you to to make that video yesterday? It was a video that in a lot of ways I wasn't really excited to make because I, I like doing my own content. I don't like having to commentate on the YouTube community, but I also feel sometimes there needs to be a business perspective and a voice of reason because most people have a creator first mentality. And as the creative entrepreneur, that's rough on me because you would think that I have to have a creator first mentality and I do fight for creators all the time, but I also respect money and I respect business because it's what enables creators. We have this like age, ages long struggle of how do we make what we love to do practical? And when the biggest person on a platform like YouTube that gives so much opportunity to creative people uh, does something that could damage brand relationships, make people reconsider whether this is a platform that they want to invest money in that trickles down to the rest of us. I think someone has to speak up and say something and try to give actionable takeaways so that creators can protect themselves from following to uh, similar patterns and so they can maintain those relationships and also to make sure that young creators and even the young fans learn how to support creators properly and how to respect the business side of this. Yeah. Uh, Roberto, I have, well, first I want to welcome Tara, Terry, uh, Brian Fanzo, Mark Goeth all to the show. Uh, and, and if you guys are watching, please share the show out. This is a really, really timely and impactful topic that we'll be discussing. Roberto, uh, you and I talked a little bit yesterday about this, and there's some things that maybe not everyone realizes uh, about, um, we're gonna use PewDiePie as the example, but where he makes his money. And I know you have a little bit more insight than most of us do. In fact, you told me some stuff that I didn't even realize uh, was, was out there, and maybe some others did, but to the extent of which PewDiePie makes his money, uh, can let's just start that off because I think this is really, really interesting for the rest of this conversation. Sure. Now, most people understand that YouTube creators make a significant amount of money if they are the size of someone like PewDiePie uh, getting millions of views per video, that uh, they make a lot of money in YouTube ad revenue. And what most people don't realize, though, is how YouTube ad revenue comes about. YouTube ad revenue is a result of... Um, brands and people like, you know, Dell and HP and Sony and Apple putting advertising dollars into video ads and YouTube the same they would on television. This is what is known in the industry as media buying. This is more complex than most YouTube creators even understand because I came from the world, as you know, of being a marketing manager in-house, much like yourself. So we've, uh, I was Google AdWords certified. So let me create that context. I was Google AdWords certified. And as an entrepreneur and someone who actually works with companies and businesses, I still actually use Google AdWords. And sometimes I vet their accounts on behalf and I optimize things, which means that I have insights into how the money is spent and also how ads are targeted and distributed. 
there is something within YouTube called the Google Preferred Ad Network. Uh, but before our conversation, had you ever heard of that? I, I never heard of the Preferred Ad Network. And maybe because I'm around YouTubers that just assumed I knew. Uh, actually, you didn't even realize I didn't know. So no, the Preferred. Uh, Chris, did you know what the Preferred program was? No, not at all. Not at all. It okay. was unique to me until this very first conversation. Interesting. Okay. So Chris didn't know it. And Chris has been around this stuff since the beginning of, you know, Google and whatnot. And, and before Rob, did you know about the ads program? Okay. So there you go. No, so I didn't. Three of the three of us on the show, Roberto had no idea. Explain that to yeah. us. It's super fascinating. Okay. So one of the things, um, that you, um, may not have realized and uh, i'm actually like doing a google search on this to even show it possibly on my phone here for people who want to look into it um but there is this thing um for the google uh, preferred ad program and if you actually look into it there's a catalog so there's more than one component to this one there is the side of it for the creators in the marketplace that enter into this you can think of this as kind of a premium advertising tier okay so what does a premium advertising tier mean? It means that you might have preference in the auction when media buys are happening before the rest of the YouTube marketplace of creators. So that means that your content is being put in front of advertisers that are doing a large media buy of properties saying, okay, I want to do ad buys against YouTube channels that talk about technology or gaming or they're in the entertainment genre. Well, the top like, not just the top performing based on watch time and views and all those things because people would think it's only for these big channels with subscribers even i'm actually part of this tier and it's mostly considered well what's family friendly content what are ones possibly getting heavy watch time for their niche and their genre and which ones are already natively pulling high ad dollars based on their topics and, and who's buying content against this already and so they preference that and so they put in this really big uh, ad buy and you can get more money. So you get a higher CPM. Yeah. So, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, well, the like, so you get a higher CPM, but also most YouTube creators, if they look in their analytics, they'll realize that less than half of their YouTube views are monetized on average. Being in this preferred network uh, means that you also get preferential on the distribution side, which means that you like, almost maybe twice as many of your videos uh views might be monetized now because not every single youtube view pulls an ad and is monetized mm. so that means that you're getting better quality ads that have a higher payout number one you're getting a higher effective cpm rate number two and you're getting more distribution all that translates to more money so if you're in that tier and you're told get out that's devastating for you okay so let's keep that in mind for those of you watching now. There's essentially a preferred opportunity for creators that make enough or creators that are large enough to even get into it. Uh, as Roberto said, it's not for everybody. And my perspective, and I'm gonna, I, I want to talk to Chris about this because him and I had this discussion a little bit yesterday, but here's the thing you made mention of Roberto, you know, brands are going to want to know about like, Oh, who's got family friendly content, but not every brand, not every brand wants to play it safe. Right. Not every brand wants to be like, Oh, let's just hold our cards, you know, close to the best. Let's not, let's not make moves. Uh, Chris, 
you had a big point about advertisers having to, you know, you wrote an article uh, called uh, uh, Advertising Hits a Hurdle. And that was back last year. And again, it was, I think it was referring to PewDiePie again, right? <laughs> it was, it was. And you'd mentioned in that article, and I'm, and I'm actually looking at it right now, but your point was that advertisers are going to have to get involved uh, with choices and to decide whether and where their brand matchups are appropriate. And yeah. you broke it down. Well, because I have you live, I'm going to let you break it down. Sure. What, what and why, uh, you know, does a brand get involved with someone like PewDiePie aside from the obvious, you know, exposure? Right. So here's the uh, big opportunity and the big challenge and, and the, uh, the crux of what has gone on most recently has been going on for just a little while. PewDiePie and gang, um, the people who have multiple million subscribers and who get multiple millions of views right out of the gate the first time, have received that level of subscription, not because they've been down the middle of the road, but because they have a specific point of view that allows people to feel like they're connecting with something that you're not going to find in some other location. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest selling points of a guy like PewDiePie is it's not what you're going to see on ABC. You know, no fault to them, but just that's not the way that system is configured. My uh, children, for instance, find they don't like PewDiePie specifically, but they like other guys that are friends with PewDiePie, uh, Jacksepticeye, Mark, Markiplier, some of these other gamer guys, these Let's Play guys. And the reason they like them is because they make funny, weird jokes that are inappropriate. My children are born and raised on inappropriate humor, whether or not I wanted them to think differently. I wanted my children to be the absolutely most polite children in the world. My kids uh, liberally use the F word and probably have since they were five. I don't even swear, and my kids do. Um, Except in rare occasions. So PewDiePie comes along and in this preferred, like, like uh, Roberto pointed out, in this preferred, there are rules. And one of the rules is, you know, must be very family friendly. Um, I just watched the video, the most recent video of PewDiePie, you know, to the time that we're doing this live. And it was uh, he and his girl were playing uh, this video game where in which uh, they're chasing little digital penises around the screen and attacking yep. each other. Let, let's, that's about as family friendly as I can make that storyline. Uh, and it was weird, but also kind of funny and something I had not seen on anywhere else on the planet, never played the game. Uh, and I can see if you're, uh, I don't know, Quaker Oats, you're not going to, that's a video I want to sponsor, yeah. right? So there's a new weirdness to this that does not fit the spreadsheet world that Roberto and you and others have come from that says PewDiePie, 53 million, let's go get it. It just doesn't work that way anymore. You have to really say, am I along for the ride for this guy? Am I, is it ride or die? As the kids say these days and the rappers, I can really definitely say that there's a whole new ball game that is not going to fit nicely on an Excel spreadsheet anywhere and that there's going to be a lot of decisions that have to be made to choose this is how I want to support this artist or not. And I think that the big risk is YouTube uh, currently owns a platform or uh, offers a platform that allows us not to have to be everybody, but now it's going to say, or should we make it more like the, you know, ABC, CBS and NBC circa 1979. Yeah. Uh, I want to cut to the comments real quick. Great points, uh, Chris. I want to cut to some of the comments uh, and also welcome, uh, Corinder, Haley Hall, uh, Mitch Jackson, Sanders Park, Sam Gonzalez, Jeff Koga. Uh, thank you guys for jumping in. Well, interesting uh, points. Mark Owens says, this is interesting to many brands uh, 
This is interesting to many brands as PewDiePie was one of the, if not the largest influencer and was just dropped. Brands are going to change the way they work with influencers moving forward. And then Mitch Jackson, uh, now Mitch Jackson's a lawyer. For those of you who don't know, California Attorney of the Year in 2013, shout out to Mitch Jackson. He said, how safe you play it can and should be specified in the contract between the parties. Interesting and important conversation. I don't think it's all about what's best for brands or what's best for influencers. It's about what was contractually agreed to between the parties and how that goal would be executed. Each engagement is different and unique. So from a legal perspective, right? a lot of people are always like complain about lawyers, like, ah, lawyers, uh, they get involved. But he's got a really good point. We don't know what the contract was. We have zero clue. I have zero clue. I don't think anyone has a clue other than PewDiePie and Disney or Maker Studios and whatnot. Um, but forget the contract side for one second. As a brand, and this is the point I was trying to make. You know, yesterday, Chris, uh, we had talked about it. Roberto, you and I talked about it, and Rob, we all talked about it individually and separate of each other. But as a brand, it, it doesn't take you. And I think Brian Fanzo actually made a really good comment about this earlier today too. Shouldn't you be look? Shouldn't you be vetting your influencers that you're working with? Isn't there a little bit of like legwork that you need to put in and say, "Hey, this person stands for that. This person stands for this." It doesn't take a genius to watch some of PewDiePie's content and say, "Hmm, he could just go off the deep end one day," or he's already gone way beyond what we would ever allow. You know. Where is the where's the onus on the brand? Where is it like where does it shift and say, okay, you made a stupid, you guys made a dumb decision? Because I, me personally, if I was someone that was making the media buys for Disney, I would have said that guy does not and will not ever fit in with the audience we want to reach unless we turn it into all of a sudden we were, you know, Vice or something. Roberto, I know you wanted to say something, you're itching to say something back there, and I see you. Absolutely, Vin. Like, the, like you and I both came from the world of being like corporate uh, marketing managers and answerable to CMOs and to people in that vein and to CEOs, right? Which means you and I can appreciate why uh, Palpatine and Vader dissolved the Imperial Senate. It's to eliminate the bureaucracy. Absolutely. <laughs> um, now, what I don't think a lot of people appreciate um, that are in the market, meaning like, you know, the consumer, the viewer, I don't think that they appreciate that. The person who might have edited and like, you know, saw PewDiePie or, or any of these influencers saw the numbers, saw what their quota looked like, saw what numbers they needed to hit and was like, I'm going to skirt company guidelines here. I'm going to make a deal. I need to get around this bureaucracy. And as long as nothing bad happens and I'm hitting my numbers, all will be well with the universe. And you and I have experienced that. And that's usually true until the problem arrives inevitably. Yep. Completely agree. I can, I, you're right. There is always that risk, right? We always risk that happening. But sometimes as someone who has worked with brands inside of a brand, we do have to make choices that if they don't bite us in the butt, great. We did good. But sometimes when they do, we get, you know, we get kind of, we, we, we catch the brunt of it. Uh, just like, um, I can't remember if it was you or if it was Jay Bear had made these comments about when Wendy's jumped into some conversations. Uh, and I know this is not influencer related, but it comes down to brands, you know, brand making comments. And it was all fun and games until one tweet was kind of like, mm, that's over the line. You shouldn't have gone there. Or was it over the line? But this brings in another, uh, just another interesting conversation. I want to get Rob uh, on this one because uh, talking about free speech, right? and then we'll, we'll tie all of these in together, but let's independently for a moment. 
Well, so, so I want to read one of Mitch's comments that he just shared, and he oh, said, go. "Yeah, go ahead." Yeah, so he says, um, "But you want to keep in mind uh, that if you ride the wrong horse down the wrong path, you may not have a business at the end of the journey, right?" My takeaway is to pick your horse wisely. So, and I totally agree. I mean, some people on the internet try to look for that one minute of internet fame, right, in the form of a viral video, and you know, Charlie bit my finger. Uh, but, it, but in an awful context. And I think, you know, the interesting thing with individual brands, you know, when you, if you take a PewDiePie and compare them to, say, like an IBM or a, a huge brand, is, is that the consequence that, that PewDiePie is going to experience will be him and perhaps the small team of people that he works around in collaboration. But if I'm an investor in, you know, I mean, to my knowledge... There, ha there hasn't been a market built yet that, that where we can, as shareholders, buy into individuals, right? So like PewDiePie doesn't give himself up as a, uh, as a commodity where we can buy in and subsequently reap the benefits or, or, or uh, endure the consequences. Businesses are different. Interestingly, people are starting that, by the way. People are starting that. That's something. Uh, well, it, it, yeah. I mean, nothing surprises me. Uh, uh, anymore, but I think that's the, the, the that to me is the sweet justice of social media is 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 the accountability and you know it's it's one thing to to be over the top you know I mean I was never a big PewDiePie fan to begin with because I just picking on people isn't isn't really something that that's that's all that, that appealing to me but I, I think you know the the comments that there uh, what he had done with Fiverr that was just over the top I mean. And particularly, you know, I'm surprised that the media didn't pick it up, right? Because I mean, any politician that that would would say anything negative against the Muslim faith, oh my God, it would have it would have been all over the news because that's kind of like the agenda now, right? Uh, with the mainstream media, but you you take you take the Jews, which are always picked on, and and PewDiePie and Disney think that oh it'll just blow over until the wall street journal says eh, no mm -hmm. and here's the thing i i like i'm not i'm not a big fan of like pc culture and a lot of people like to believe that i'm like some like you know brainwashed like media like person and let, i consume less of it than probably they do but the the thing that's interesting to me is like it's it comes down to what happens when you take somebody's money like that to me is very real. And I think there's a responsibility that comes with a transaction. So I think that when you are working. You froze, Roberto. Let me bring Chris on. Yeah, let me bring Chris on because your, your video is frozen, Roberto. Um, so, I, you know, I have a couple of things to say. One is I'm probably the only one on this call and probably the only one. A brand, a rogue creator, Ooh. Ian, and don't oh, hit the end. Now, now his audio is catching up. <laughs> uh, I am probably the only one of the people on this call and also uh, watching this uh, who are actually a PewDiePie subscriber. Um, and I am. Three years. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Roberto is because he's smart and he follows the trends of, you know, who's going on out there. Uh, we talked a little bit before this went live, too, about uh, Roberto taking this from the artist perspective. Um, Walt Disney himself was an artist. And Walt Disney himself was accused of uh, anti-Semitic and racist commentary back in the day. A lot of some of the earlier movies had very... You can really, you know, look at some of the old cartoons and say, mm. oh, my gosh, like, how did this ever you know, happened the way it did. But there's another piece of context that, that also needs to be looked at. So not only was his attempt uh, with PewDiePie's attempt being an attempt at satire, when you watch the whole thing, you see that you see where he's going at with this. 
not the right choice to make, not the right statement to make. Let's not, he could have picked on anybody, probably not make a whole bunch of Hitler jokes in a row. However, I am also uh, uh, in the possession of a soon to be 15 year old daughter and 11 year old son, who when I hear the chat go on in their circles, say things that we never said as kids, right. at common conversation, kill yourself is like, oh, that was pretty bad what you just did in Super Mario. Mm. Like kill yourself in my right. world is, oh God, we should probably call the shrinks. You know, there's a problem going on in the school. You know, this kid's getting bullied. Right. They use that like, you're not such a good ball player, are you? Right. And so things like Hitler uh, come up in conversation in my household as memes. It's meme culture now hmm. to make Hitler commentary. And PewDiePie serves that community, not us, not anybody. You know, Absolutely. well, so, so the only thing the only thing I'll say to that is, is that, that the one thing that drives me nuts in in arguments is when you start using relevance or like, oh, well, so and so did this. So. It, it, that makes it okay. I mean, th th that's the line. fundamental flaw in the argument, right? I mean, because you, you, it, 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 all of a sudden you've created you've created a, an environment where everything goes, and that's there is no bad. It's beforehand. it's whatever you want. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and that's what scares me. I mean, I think regardless of what Disney did, Disney is now a brand, and you know Walt Disney himself as an individual is long dead and gone. But the brand and their shareholders survive, right? And so, so subsequently, me, they're let now. Let me clarify my point, lest it be lost in your your thought that it's about relevance. My point is that Disney himself was accused of this. I'm not saying that makes it good or bad or anything. Disney was also possibly misinterpreted. Uh, right. PewDiePie most definitely wasn't sitting around going, let me think of a racist thing to do. My guess is he was saying, let me try to think of some funny content for my channel. Oh, look how stupid Fiverr is. He picked an mm. awful choice of topic, but I don't think he was saying, I he think did. I'll use this to be uh, my, my vessel for racism. And if he did, then he's like not, or, or anti-Semitism. He's not very good at his job if that's what he went. Right. So <laughs> let, me, let me bring Roberto and you, you on, Chris, so that you guys can uh, talk, because I know we lost Roberto a few seconds ago. There we go. So what are we going to say, Roberto? Well, what I was going to say is I agree with like Chris's point uh, in a lot of ways, but I also want to throw in like a little bit of what may be a, a counterpunch here is that I don't think that I, for one thing, I know for a fact that like Felix didn't mean to normalize this because he actually wrote an, an article and he wrote a post and he like responded to this and said that he actually is concerned that he might have normalized some negative things that was unintentional. And that, you know, what you said about he didn't set out to do this on purpose or do a negative thing or a horrible thing, I agree 110%. The problem is that because of the fan base he serves, it means that he's not thinking a lot of things through. And the thing that I want to come back to on that is that he didn't think things through for himself, the brands that he represents and works with. He didn't think things um, through... Uh, for some of the people that are connected to him by association. And he may not have even thought of the long-term consequences to some of his fans if they mimic or do certain similar things because they don't have the leverage, the backing, the leeway, and it will not go as well for them. If people... Uh, like I, if people continue to try, young people try to defend this culture, Chris, that you're saying you even see with your kids, this dark meme culture, this current version of the internet. Don't right. you think that with the fact that social media and the internet now is forever, that it's now the new permanent record that when like, let's say uh, someone like me as an entrepreneur, I go to hire people, I look at their Facebook, 
I look at their Twitter and it could literally be mean the difference between whether or not I decide they get a job or not. And someone say, well, that's unfair. But guess what? That's called business. That's called business, gents. That's called business, hun. That's like, that's very real. There are long-term consequences, which is why I opened my YouTube video saying, hey, Felix, it's not all fun and games because it's not for the shareholders and for the brands. It's not for the business. It's not for the platform. And for any of the copycats out there that then have a horrible backlash because they're not the biggest YouTuber of all time, mm -mm, that's, that's not good. Consequences exist. Freedom of speech is not freedom from consequences. Ask anybody who's married or dated. Freedom of speech is not freedom from consequences. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there. I'm gonna cut over to some of the comments because we've got some really good ones coming in, and I know it'll spark some more conversation amongst us here. Uh, Kathy Clotes guest is watching. Chris, do you know Kathy? Yeah, of course, absolutely. I do too. Um, so Kathy said that uh, uh, first of all, she. Uh, she commended you, Roberto, for breaking down the economics really well. The media buy side is complicated. Uh, she goes on to say, uh, what's not new is that brands have always been at risk when they are tied to influencers that do something bad. The difference today is one of scale in a social world. She also then says, watch Disney's Peter Pan. To your point, Vincenzo and Chris Brogan's point, satire is difficult to do, really difficult. And you have to know what you're doing and be skilled at it. It can backfire, as we see. As an improviser and comic, which Kathy is, I've had her on the Brand Boost podcast. She also has an amazing book about improv in marketing. She cringes at bad, bad satire. Um, she, uh, she, but hold on, let me read it again. As an improviser and comic, I cringe at bad satire. Becomes uh, satire kicks up food chain of power, not down. Sorry, that's what I was trying to say. It is a recipe for disaster. Satire is a loaded gun in the hands of a civilian. Ugh. I'm also going to add this, right? To your point, Chris, of course he was joking, right? Of course it's, he was just trying to be funny. Like it's, it's, it's hysterical, right? In, in his eyes. I don't think it's funny. I don't ever think that's funny. So uh, right. yeah, for what it's worth, you know, everyone watching, but out of context, like if you did see the entire thing in context, it's a completely different notion at this point, right? Now, could he have had them write something else like, I don't know. I'm not even going to mention it, right? Just he could have had them write something completely different. He could have had them do something completely different. Back to Roberto's point for a second. The fact that he even had them do that, right? I don't care how funny it is. I don't care how funny it is in context. The fact that that's what came out of his head to be put out there, especially in today's environment and, and you know, the, the landscape that we're dealing with shows that he's not fully mature upstairs. I don't care what anyone says. I know I'm going to have 53 million PewDiePie fans saying like, you're an idiot. You have no idea. F you. You don't know PewDiePie. Great. You don't know the culture. Yeah. <laughs> but it's because of the environment that he did it. It's because of this environment. It's because that this kind of conversation is going on right now, except that if he made that uh, death to Trump or something like that, mm -hmm. first off, that's a federal offense. But if he made it something like that, then yeah. what happens is the fight gets stupid because it's, it's, they're attacking the wrong idea. So one mm -hmm. of the things that art does is art likes to look for surrogates. Star Trek was all about race relations, but they put green people on the thing because we could talk about whether or not green people were okay. If we talked about black people in the 60s and 70s when the first Star Trek launched, everything blew up. The, when Kirk kissed Uhura, everything exploded. We're all going to die. So uh, you know, using surrogates is a longstanding tradition in, in using creativity to try to talk about a problem. Mm -hmm. That said, we all agree 
wow, that might not have been a great choice, especially the fact that what the journal article says is, look, I found nine instances of it over the last handful of months. This is looking like a trend, not looking like a one-off kind of joke. And that's kind of where we go. Um, Should it's a trend we, because clickbait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what uh, H3H3 said. You know, another uh, yeah. popular uh, thing was saying, yeah, this all makes perfectly good sense, especially when you think about the journal looking for more, you know, people to click and all that. That's the other thing is whenever you see media outrage, media outrage equals clicks. Uh, mm-hmm. And so there's there's all that to look at as well. Uh, you know, I think zero of us on the call are saying we should be particularly negative to any particular person. I just think that, uh, you know, on, on not to defend PewDiePie, but to say, you know, we, we really have to look at this a little deeper than just, boy, that guy said something dumb. Uh, mm-hmm. But your big point, like the whole reason having us all on the show is, what's a brand do with this? If, right. I, you know, if I represent, I don't know, Levi's jeans, what do I do now? Well, and, and you know what? Me as a viewer, right, watching PewDiePie, if I don't watch PewDiePie, I mean, I've seen some of this stuff some of it's okay funny most of it is just something i don't ever find hysterical right and that's fine because i'm not his audience and that's okay there's nothing wrong with that um me watching pewdiepie if you know is like watching a comedian to many people right like haha i watched george carlin he makes really racist jokes it's funny okay great cool but the difference is back to roberto's point being tied to a stakeholder, being tied to someone else's brand. You know, the minute you get the stamp of approval from somebody else, you've instantly tied yourself to them. And Roberto, you didn't bring, you didn't say this today, but you told me yesterday, I think you did mention about uh, Jack Septic guy. Uh, now the show is canceled. He's, his pocket is directly being touched because now he's not, he was supposed to be on that show. Um, I don't, I think that's correct. Maybe you can yeah. explain that a little, little bit more. Cause I don't want to give any false information, but Right. Go ahead, tell, you said that to me yesterday, so go ahead. The understanding is like Jacksepticeye and some other people were going to be featured in season two of Scare PewDiePie, which is the YouTube Red show, which is an exclusive thing that if you buy a $10 a month YouTube Red subscription, which I do, um, then you get this. And the thing is, it affects more than Jack. It affects other YouTubers. It, it mm-hmm. doesn't just affect the YouTubers that would star in this because, well, a lot of people don't realize another thing about YouTube money YouTube red money comes to all YouTubers based on watch time from a collective pool of all the subscriptions of YouTube red. So a lot of PewDiePie's fans are outraged about his series getting pulled. And what that means is a lot of them say, well, I'm going to unsubscribe now and I'm going to boycott YouTube red and let's hashtag boycott YouTube red. That doesn't support creators. That doesn't help PewDiePie. That doesn't help Felix. It doesn't help anybody. What it does is all creators now suffer from that, but all creators also suffer because PewDiePie's actions led to his show getting pulled. The other thing is YouTube already produced the show, so they're out a lot of production money for a whole second season, and they're out any revenue that they would get from his fan base from this, which means that other people who have YouTube red deals might be delayed now. Other things might get uh, delayed or canceled or not greenlit because now a budget uh, is compromised. And it's because one person, you know, did some immature content of all the content he could have done. Did he need to do this content? He did it once and it got a bunch of clicks. So he did it nine times because it got more clicks, more views, blah, blah, blah. And I get it. And I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I would actually feel a tremendous amount of sympathy for Felix right now. But I also believe he's reaping the the consequences of his actions. I don't, I'm not saying this is what he deserves or he got what he deserved. I don't make those kind of judgments. I just believe, hey, cause and effect, baby. Like you did something and something happened 
oh well you got to live with it now what do we do and the rest of us we just need to learn from it and say how like okay this hit my pocket now this hits this person's pocket how do i make sure that nothing else hits my pocket just like the businesses are doing let's all be like business people well but i I don't even think you can sell out anything to say but i'm like you know if you want to do the thing you love at some point you have to cash in on it You, you have to get money from somewhere and when you start doing things that mess with people's money it becomes a problem and it usually becomes everyone's problem. So, well, so you and I talked about that earlier about it being money and you know, money, like, like I was telling you in the green room, that's just an exchange. And in social media currency could be a like, it could be a subscription, it could be anything. So you're using money, but I mean, I think to set principle based on money, I think it isn't, uh, it isn't solid moral ground. I mean, it might be solid financial ground, but I'm, I'm not, there's more I'm not- to this. Everybody's a relative moralist, meaning that what's good is what's good for you. And anyone who says that is pretend everyone who says otherwise, and I'm going to call people out on this. Anyone who says otherwise is pretending to be more noble than they actually are. Because I've Uh, known people people, lifelong, they'll tell you, swear up and down what they will and won't do. And the minute it shows up at their doorstep and it's something different, the bargaining starts. Mm -hmm. So I I was right. We're in the middle. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, it, it it took me the the be, the better part of my life to realize, you know, that that people all live in their own self-interest and that the people that that try to throw themselves and do all these noble things uh, it, it end up many times being the most despicable of creatures because they've got no self-value. And if you can't value yourself, it's very very difficult to value others. So, you know, mm-hmm. when, when I say that people work in their own self-interest, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're selfish. I mean, you know, when when I get up right. in the day, it's kind of like it's kind of like a a, a ring in a, in a pond, right? I mean, the first thing you do is you protect your family, and then your friends, and then your coworkers, and it, that's the way life works. So, I, I think to to the point about free speech, the interesting thing that I see in social media is is that you know it's one thing to say that you've got free speech, and nobody's denying that he had the ability to say what he said. It's the consequence that nobody wants to have, and you know, keep in mind that that. Bill of Rights and free speech, for the most part, only exist in the United States Constitution, which means that Not the United in States private businesses and online <laughs> right. social media. That's right, right, or no friendships. Bill of Rights. Or That's friendships. right, or Twitter Bill of Rights. I mean, you know, in the green room, we were talking about kind of the opposite of this with Milo, in the in the sense that that's actually a very similar but totally different environment where, you know, you see Berkeley uh, contracted him to be there. He had the legal right to speak, but the students shut it down, right? So, and yet, and yet they're, the, they're the ones that are supposedly the, oh, we have our rights. That, that's kind of the dilemma. And I think, you know, we're coming to a point in social media where people are going to have to say, you know what, there's, if, 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 you're, if your market is the United States, recognize that there's 350 million people or so and say, I'm not going to be on the fence anymore. You know, there's some things that, that you got to call out and, and, and stand by. And I think, you know, the PewDiePie thing was just despicable. And I'm glad Disney did it. Uh, but again, yes, he's entitled to saying it. And yes, he's entitled to the consequences of, of Disney uh, getting rid of him. I well, want to There's quite a few comments here. And I, I don't want to let anyone think that we're ignoring them in the, in, in the show here. So... Uh, we have Nancy Merlin said people have to start using their brains when they talk. Mitch Jackson, it's about context and perception. It's a two-edged sword in a quick world. And I, and I and I, Mitch makes a really good point, right? 
what most are forgetting is that you need to take into con- consideration the world or the environment that you're in. It's a very quick to judge. So yes, you have the rights to say whatever you want. Woohoo, great. My grandmother told us, and I, you guys have heard me say this on the show, on my podcast, on social numerous times, that that which you don't do, nobody will know. What does it mean? Well, it means that if you don't want people to know things, if you don't want someone to know, don't do it. Because the minute you do it, you've opened yourself up. You've exposed yourself to others finding out, right? So that could, that means that could mean good, bad, indifferent. doesn't matter. Um, which is why I love that comment. So Mitch, that's an an amazing point because in this environment, which we're currently in, anything you do or say can be taken out of context, just like that. You know, very easy to go cut up a video and say, Oh, look at, look at what he did. We'll cut up a sound clip and say, look at what she said. He said, whatever. Um, Heather, uh, Heather's in the house as well. Thank you for uh, jumping in Heather, Nancy Merlin as well. Brian, uh, Jeff Koga, uh, Let's see. Nancy followed up Mitch's comment said, be prepared to suffer the consequences when others outside that environment dislike the conversation, which is exactly what's happening, right? Disney is the brand or, or, and many others. Now it's not just 53 million people, which is still a huge number, but it's not just those people, which is why, which is why I'm guessing YouTube and Disney didn't jump right away because no one covered it right away on on January 11th or, you know, after the ninth time, nothing happened. Well, people are bringing that up and they're hitting um, Disney and YouTube and they're calling out and they're saying that's hypocritical, but I want a counterpunch on that, but I'm gonna let you read some more comments, but I'm gonna counterpunch on two things. Uh, What does that hypocrisy look like? And then also influencer marketing vetting. But it's like, go ahead and read off a couple more comments before I really hop onto that one. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, I'm gonna have, we're gonna pull Chris and Roberto on it as soon as I'm done with these comments. Uh, Brian Fanzo said Brogan was was on social media as the king before it was called social media. (laughs) <laughs> um your insights jeff says I, uh for the brands is a good thing is if they have a contingency to get out uh you can hedge all of this by going back and say i'll do x for the community to get more publicity to let the media keep talking about this um which is looks like what potentially could have happened right there might have been some kind of clause or something like hey let's let's increase the buzz uh great point jeff um, Dan, welcome to the show, Dan. Sponsorship in new media with people who own their voice is more like promiscuity than a marriage and can result in a walk of shame for one or both parties. Uh, <laughs> I like that one. I like that one. Uh, let's see. Nancy says, don't do or say it if you want, if you don't want everyone to know about it. Uh, and, and Terry Johnson also says, agreed, we have the right to free speech. You also have the right to live with consequences of your actions. So, with that said, with, with some of the con and keep your comments coming in. Uh, I know Chris and Roberto have been chomping at the bit for a few things, so I'll let you guys take over a little bit. Roberto, Chris, you guys can take over take over the show. <laughs> right on. Go ahead, Roberto. Like, like Chris. Like, I want to ask you. Like, what are your thoughts on this? And like, what do you think your kids would say about the fact that it's like critical? for uh, these one, these newspapers to one, mischaracterize like what Felix did here, what PewDiePie did. And then two, for the fact that, all right, it was nine videos since August. Why? And they knew who he was beforehand. Cause this is what I'm seeing in my comments. Like I have like, oh, about 17,000 views on this video. Um, most of the comments and the likes are good, but like 20% of the community is like totally against it. So like my question becomes, 
is it hypocritical from your point of view? And then I'll tell you mine, like uh, for them to only now that's getting the spotlight do anything. And then is it an overreach? And um, yeah, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? And what do you think your kids would say about it? So let's start with the brands and all that. I have no question in my mind that the people who are responsible for these decisions, number one, they're gone. No question that the employees who bought this and snuck it by, like you and Vincenzo talked about earlier, they're gone. Uh, two, I think that to your point, if it had worked, it would have worked great. Uh, but I do think that what has gone on for a while inside of organizations is this is the social media guy's job. This is some niece or nephew's job. This is some you know peon who thinks that this channel is not important's job until it's on the front page of the Wall Street Journal directly under important national news, right? This has always been really important, but for a very long time, you say you're a blogger and I'll say, oh, there's your kitty table. Right. But this is not how brands work. This is not how this goes. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, uh, I agree. That's a fantastic point, Chris. And, and I really do think that's what we're seeing. Yeah. So is it hypocritical? It's hella hypocritical. What would my kids say? My kids think this is a non-story. My kids are like, mm. so what? You don't like it? Wait for the next thing. This is so, you know, I keep thinking about over and over and over again is Michael Richards going off in that club and, and having his racist tirade uh, at, against a heckler. That was one of those flipping over the cards moments. That's one of those, whoa, I can't believe that came out. Mel Gibson losing his mind while getting pulled over while he was drunk. That was a flipping over the cards moment. This was calculated. This was art that didn't hit right. You know, this is very different things to me. We could be outraged all we want, but there's an outrage a day. The reason we're talking about this is because it's news, right? It's, we're, we're not any different than the media right now. We're just a news cycle. So I just think that, you know, my kid's mind none of my kids are subscribed to him anyway, because they like the other guys. They like Jacksepticeye and all that. I'm right. subscribed to him because I'm following a trend, you, you know, similar, right? So, I am subscribed to him because I'm analyzing, I'm studying also right. a lot of what he does wrong. I've studied the fact that I pointed out and Matt Pat from Game Theorist did this too. We both studied the fact that he doesn't utilize SEO or he would get even more traction and more reach than he already does. Exactly. Utilize SEO at all. Like, so I study those kind of things. I mean, I agree with you. I think like, I think that on some level, you could make the argument it's hypocritical. But I also, and people are going to hate this from me, but this is the part of me that's a Sith Lord. It's like, I think the fact that it's hypocritical is irrelevant. First of all, I'm a, a cynical optimist. I believe that everyone who lives long enough is going to see a hypocrite in the mirror at some point. That's, that's just unavoidable. And then I think in business that that's the nature of the beast when you're talking about corporate life and corporatism. And it's why I left the corporate world for a reason to start my own business is so that I could do less of that and less of that until it's none, hopefully. And so that's, um, I just think that when you talk about the audience that is so angry and passionate here, um, you'll realize that it's not the adults. It's not us. It's not the people over 25 and 30. Felix is 27. Uh, I make an argument that he's immature because I think he could make that argument himself. And I think he, in some ways, has owned that. Um, and I don't think he hides that. I think that's the brand. I think that's what he's selling is that you don't have to grow up. I think he's selling Peter Pan syndrome. Peter Pan syndrome has consequences and it has fallout attached to it. That's a problem. And the youth culture that embraces that isn't ready for that reality. But I do guarantee you that five years from now, those fans, those followers, they're going to wake up in the real world. And the ones that are still young adults that are 18, 19, 20, they're going to a job most of them probably aren't in love with right now. And they're probably as much as they whine about selling out, they're going to a job and selling out right now. 
They're going to that Domino's pizza job. They're going to that waiter or waitress job and they're selling out. They're smiling in the boss's face and thinking, wow, what a loser. Like they're, they're doing that for a polite, a polite way. I'm sure they're saying worse, but the, you know, that's reality. And I don't think that when people buy into this dark meme culture of the internet, they're doing it without real realism being a factor. They're doing it for the escapism, for the Peter Pan syndrome, for Neverland, for the fantasy. And the thing is, you wake up and you grow up. It's dangerous. It's it's dangerous. It has it's your permanent record. Uh, the businesses, what the businesses do, what they're doing is hypocritical. But it's called living in the real world. It's called you know what? This was fine when we were siphoning views from it, and now we're getting negative backlash from the people who hold our purse strings. Cut ties. Throw this guy under the bus. We do not fall on our sword for these jokes that didn't land. And guess what? If it's your money, my money, these people, a couple of years from now when they grow up, if it's their money, they're going to make the same call. They just don't want to own it because no one likes to see a hypocrite when they look in the mirror. No one likes to think that they're not in favor of absolute freedom and free speech and everything like that. But then they live in the real world and they do it anyway. We all compromise. And it's not fun to talk about. It's not fun to own it. But it's just the truth. Right. You know, I, I would love to make a t-shirt that says, I just can't wait to sell out. You know, one of the strange things that happens all the time in business is, you know, we, we get crabby about other people and we end up having this feeling of, man, can't wait till it's my turn. Cause you know, that person's a jerk or whatever. We all like to hate whoever's at the top of the food chain. It's, you know, crabs pulling other crabs down out of the bucket. Right. Um, the very last thing I want to make before I give it back to our fearless host and all that is just that, you know, the, the sellout part of it isn't really even the story to me. I mean, everyone's going to call anybody a sellout who's more successful than them. I do think with regards to the hypocrisy, though, you know, it, it's almost we're all racist. We're all somethingist. We're all we're doing something bad. We're all doing something wrong anyway. Um, the the economics are, does a brand want to support that? In this case, the answer was no. Will brands try to figure out how better to deal with this going forward? Absolutely. I've had micro situations of this where some brand said to me, how can you support me? But you said something nice about this other brand. What do you recommend for brand vetting from now on from influencers, given what happened with PewDiePie and the fact that you're right, someone probably wasn't really truly held to task. It was probably someone in a low level management or social media position that was put in charge of this and no one paid attention. They stayed in their corner, they cashed their checks and then it blew up. Like what, what do you, what is your solution or what is your position on how as someone who works with brands and and the influencer marketing side, what do you think that brands can learn from this and do differently in terms of how they vet? First off, don't, you know, throw this on the most junior person in the office just because it's something you don't understand. Don't look for the, you know, the young 20 something and decide that because that person, uh, you know, rides, a hyper thingy to work or whatever, or drives a Tesla that they're the right guy. You know, second, I would say that uh, Mitch Jackson's comment about having a really ironclad contract with lots of little details in it is important. But then third, what to look for is to, is to really have the conversation of what's going to be okay and what's not going to be okay. And, and, and air that long before it's ever brought onto the screen. I mean, like I said, with the, the, com- the scenario that happened with me, where some brand got mad that I said something nice about another brand, I don't sign contracts that would would preclude me from saying something about some other company. And I'm very clear about that one going in because it bit me a few times in the early days. Well, if you like Sony, you can't like Panasonic or whatever, right? And I, I can tell you that 
there's still some of that thinking in 1990s corporate world that is out there right now. But what comes next is how people really buy and how people really interact. And I think that where we're, where we're headed with all this, and especially if you're on the creator side, think about that again for a second. You've really, you, you know, I've long since called it the Perez Hilton hot mess line. You never want to be, you know, someone that Perez Hilton wants to draw a dick on their forehead but you definitely want to be someone who's interesting and stands up enough that you know, you're seen as somebody uh, who doesn't have a me too opinion. <laughs> oh, I'm going to read some comments here. Uh, Kathy Cloak's guest who's watching over in one of the groups that I posted the video in. Um, <clears throat> she said, Chris, so true. There's an, there is an outrage a day. Follow the news and it's choose your own outrage adventure. Pissed off. Uh, well, okay. Uh, she said it's hypocritical. That is part of the power of social. Social will sniff that out. And if you think it won't be found out, you're taking that risk. Uh, she said, look at Subway and how social helped break that story showing that Subway knew about Jared and had been warned. Social scales good and bad. It just scales negative much faster, which is a really, really, really good point there. Uh, Jeff Koga said Roberto nailed it. No different than the, the Warner Brothers and FTC situation when PewDiePie got paid. Didn't say he was compensated. It's part of the game. Uh, he, he also said Chance the Rapper winning the Grammy is a huge win for the little guys, which I do agree. Uh, Morgan, Morgan Harrell, welcome to the show. Thanks for watching. Uh, and welcome Mike Alton, by the way. Uh, Morgan says we're all hypocrites at some point in our lives. We judge people most harshly who struggle in the same ways we do. So uh, lots of good uh, comments. Brian Fanzo says it's why most influencers can only get one night stands with brands. They have to prove their value and leverage data to show true influence while linking everything to brand success. So, so before we, we kind of uh, disperse here, we've got a, we've got about seven minutes left. Please keep your comments coming in. But I want to ask the question that we originally kind of had started back at the beginning after Roberto had mentioned all of the economic uh, factors for PewDiePie himself, right? So uh, we know that he might take a little bit of hit. And, and someone did mention this. I don't know which comment it was. I have to look back, but they're flying in. And um, I Facebook doesn't show me all of them. Someone had mentioned in the comments, and if it was you, just let me know, that uh, – he might see a little bit, a little dip now, but most of his loyal following 53 million people, like he might lose a million, like big deal, right. For him. Uh, he'll, he'll probably likely go up because there are a lot more people that think he's funny. Right. Now that, that maybe that are now finding out about him. So he's getting exposure from it. Also, does he even care that someone else said that too? Like, does he even care he lost these deals. Does he care what people are like? Is he is he going to comment on his video and be like, "Screw you guys"? Probably not. I mean, he probably couldn't care less about this video and many others. You know, not that we're talking negatively about him at all or anything like that. But there are a lot of people that are harsh, and there's some that aren't. But where you know, like, does that make it okay? No. And I guess that goes back to the moral situation. Like, oh, is it hypocritical? Sure, there's so many things. I'd love to jump in on this one, Vin. Yeah, yeah, please, please. Go ahead, Roberto. So I think that you have to look at it from a couple of places because, one, I think 
Felix does care about some of it. I think the thing he cares about is I don't think he wants to be mischaracterized because no one does. And I don't appreciate that the media side of it mischaracterized him. But the thing is, I'm not a journalist. and I can't speak to what the standards of journalistic integrity are in these cases and how they do that research. So I don't commentate on that part of it. But the thing is, I think that they do frame him poorly in a way that may not be accurate or consistent. But I also think that he gave them ammunition to do that. And I think that's a problem and that someone should learn from that. But I think he cares because he's come out and said that that he doesn't want to legitimize and he sees that people and websites uh, and certain movements have hijacked his image and have used it as propaganda and said, hey, that's our guy. And he doesn't want that and that he feels horrible about that because he's a really good guy. He does donate to charity. He does... I think has well intentions when even when he's misguided, but being misguided and having a platform of 50 million people at a tw- as a 27 year old is dangerous as heck when you think you're going to be a funny man, and and that has repercussions. The, the the thing I would say though, dude, he'll probably pick up six million inactive subs from this because anti PC culture people, dark meme culture people who get a hold of this, who didn't know who he is, will just drop a subscribe and support him, watch two or three videos and then disappear and go back to whatever they were doing. And I think that's part of his inactive sub base even right now. I think that's why he only gets so many views per video right now. And then the thing is, I don't believe the market will truly put its money where its mouth is because I just don't see all these people who are so outraged I don't see them, but I don't, and they may just may not be talking about it. I'd love it if what if someone who says I stand with PewDiePie or I stand with Felix, it's like cool. Take a take a snapshot of yourself with the merch you just bought, and put it on Twitter and tweet it at him and tag people and let people know that you're supporting him financially. Support him if you're going to actually say, hey, I want creators to do stuff and not bow to the mainstream and so on. Then put your money where your mouth is because artists have waited for a long time for the scale of platforms for people to support them so that they don't need patrons that are the elite or the nobility, like when um, Da Vinci and Michelangelo had to sell out to the popes and do work that literally crippled them to make ends meet so they could do the work they cared about. If you don't want that for people, then actually have their backs. Stop whining in comments and actually throw some money at them. That would be my answer. <laughs> two two uh, uh, comments and then uh, or one comment and then a question for me for the rest of you, or actually for the audience and for the three of you here on the show. Stephen Caggiano says the PR for this will boost his career. You can't pay for that kind of attention. Stephen, 100% spot on with that. Uh, I completely agree. Madeline Sklar, welcome to the show as well. Thank you for joining us. Here's my question. This is maybe a moral question. Maybe this is a, uh, maybe you have a definitive answer to this. I don't know. Roberto, Rob, and Chris, and the audience watching. If PewDiePie had one subscriber, just one, one subscriber, actually, let's say five, because let's say it's an audience, right? Like a small audience, five subscribers, and the same thing happened. How does that change this? Because we all know, Roberto, you know very well, you're a YouTuber, so you know what's out there. There's plenty of YouTubers doing the same kind of stuff out there that no one's ever heard of and no one no one watches their videos. So I open it up to you. You can take my space off the screen, Rob, and you guys can all answer that. But if they had five subscribers, how does this change the 11 or nine videos that he made? Oh, I, I, I got to I got to chime in on that because that was just like low hanging fruit. I mean, I think Roberta, you and I were kind of like talking about old times in the green room earlier. But I mean, that's like the perfect question in, in, in this in, in the 
the answer, I think, is characters is what is how you define what you do when nobody's looking, right? So whether whether it's one subscriber or 20 million subscribers, what does it matter? Those are just zeros, right? And I think that's kind of one of the problems that we've got, uh, particularly among our youth now, is, is that... <clears throat> Things are, behavior is justified by whether somebody else did it. So now it's like an arms race as to who could be more outrageous and who could do more stupid crap. But you know what we're not encouraging in in social media or anywhere else is good behavior, manners. You know, being being polite, being nice to each other. That's that doesn't sell. So the the behavior is encouraged by pushing the envelope, being meaner. Who can you know who can say more more stupid stuff. Um, so, you know, my answer to that, Vincenzo, is it, it doesn't start with a number. It starts with yourself and, 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 and how you conduct yourself when nobody's looking. And I'll I'm play done. the numbers game real quick. I'll play okay. the numbers game real quick. PewDiePie has about over 50 million subscribers, and we know what his content is, and we've addressed that. Not all of it's bad. Some of it's just really funny, or some of it's just, like, absurd stuff. And that's cool. Fine. Um, you've got people like Ricegum, who just does diss tracks on, like, roast kids on the Internet. You've got He's got 5 million. He got that in, like, a year. you got Leafy is here who does that as well. And you've got um, those. So those are people with five and eight and three million and so on and so forth. And all they do is put out non-value-based content, but mm-hmm. it plays to this dark meme uh, culture that the young people love so much. And I'm old grandpa YouTube at this point, right? And you know and you know who doesn't have a, you know who has a quarter of a million subscribers? Tony Robbins. You know who only has half a million? Gary Vaynerchuk, Evan Carmichael, mm-hmm. Marie Forleo. People who will teach you how to build a six, seven, eight-figure, nine-figure business for free and they don't have that reach in that platform, and they change the world, right? So we have mic that. Drop. Mic drop. But I'm not even done mic drop, and I'm going to just drop <laughs> truth bombs everywhere because the thing is, you want to talk about dropping truth bombs and everything like that. It's a matter of impact and scale, right? So a matter of impact and scale. The person who uh, makes this and has a thousand followers, uh, maybe it means that they don't get a job. So the negative impact and moral repercussions for them is that the person who's gone, they're applying to a job. The two years later, somebody finds this in a Google search and they're screwed, right? Mm. So that's real. Okay. The algorithm. Now, now, here's the other impact, though. Here's the other impact. Because PewDiePie does this, that might be why this person that only has a thousand subscribers does that and screws them over. Because they're mimicking that because up the game, up the game, right? The, the behavior. Thing is, right. Mimic the behavior. The other thing is look at the scale of the fact that you can reach. 50 million people and then you're free to do what you want but look at what you chose to put out to 50 million people and then Mm -hmm. what do they do with it which means that if you want to talk about does it matter morally if it's one subscriber or if it's 50 million it matters because there's a difference between a six shooter and a drone strike why I mean, uh, well, 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 no, but but here's what I mean by that, Chris, is, is that, yeah, but, but, but to, to the one person, whether it's a six shooter or whether it's a single shooter in a drone, I mean, to that one person that that, that gets affected by it, it means the whole difference to them, right? I mean, so 10%, the multiplier does matter though. The multiplier and the impact, it doesn't, but to me, it doesn't validate the argument anymore. I'm not saying it validates the argument. I'm just saying that when you're talking about the morality of something at a baseline in general binary yes binary morality can be binary if you want to go there sure we can play mm, this i'm not suggesting that but well but but i'm saying you can say that something's either like something the right well let me put it a different way the right thing is the right thing right the right, right thing's the right thing being the bigger person or being the bigger person is being the bigger person right that we i think we can agree to that regardless of whatever relative moralism we want to apply but scale always, 
always matters when we're talking about damage. Damage mm-hmm. is always a matter of scale. Right. Well, but, so, so well, uh, I'm going to let you finish out, Chris, but I, but I do want to say this is I think, you know, the, the big uh, point is, 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 um, is, is not using the numbers. You know, I mean, we right now, social media is so fueled by feelings rather than facts and law. That, that's that's why we're I, I think we're fueling the fire is is in our founders. I think we're brilliant in, in recognizing that we are a nation of laws, not of people. Because if we were a nation of people, then it would be tribalism and 51% rules. But by having laws in place, doesn't mean you're always going to like the rule as it applies to your life at that particular time. But generally speaking, across the lifetime of, of a nation, it's important to have a nation. It's, it's important to be a nation of laws. So, Chris, I know you wanted to hop two in. My, two of my favorite quotes real quick. Two of my uh, favorite quotes uh, real quick. First one. Wizard's first rule, people are stupid. Almost anyone will believe anything because they either- <laughs> Don't convict be people of being smart. Desperately afraid that it is. And no one's immune because everyone thinks they can tell the difference between a truth and a lie, thus everyone is stupid. So that's why that's the wizard's first rule. The wizard's sixth rule, I believe, is that reason should be your only sovereign. If you're going to let passion lead you, let reason take the reins. Those are the two quotes I'm gonna drop. Let's get Chris on with his uh, last point or with his point, and uh, I'll finish off the show after that. Sounds yeah, good. I'll just go quick. Mine is uh, oh, you know, Casey uh, Neistat said it. Uh, he quoted Uncle Ben from Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. You know, <laughs> point Love it. Super vivid because, you know, I, I think th- there's a reason why there's assault rifle bans versus rifle bans. You know, uh, multiple bullets is a lot harder to fight. So 53 million is a lot harder to fight than five. I, I would love a million people to malign with my bad ideas, but I don't have them yet. So I guess I'll just keep working my way up until I can insult that many people at one try. With uh, with that said, I first of all, first and foremost, appreciate uh, you guys for all jumping on here and you know getting involved in this discussion. It's not an easy topic because it really does toe the line of hey, what's moral, what is right, what is wrong, who's you know. The last question I posed is it is it five? Is it fifty three million? Does it matter? I mean, there's so many things to think about. Are you a brand? Are you an influencer? Are you somebody that's watching? Do you even know who PewDiePie is? There's so many questions that come from this, um, and I want to thank you, the audience, for watching because really, without you guys, we wouldn't have this show every week. Here's my uh, point that I want to make before I uh, just scroll through the comments one last time: is that if you're a brand, because here on Brand Matters, we care about brands. You know, if, if you're working in a brand, like Chris said earlier in the show, social media, live video, uh, just because someone's, you know, wearing the skinny jeans, skateboarding into work doesn't mean that's the person that should be handling your social media, right? There's a lot more that goes into this than just, oh, I know how to use Twitter. I know how to use Facebook. I know how to go out live. Like, you know, PewDiePie could be the greatest guy in the world. I don't know. But if I'm a brand right now, I'm saying, holy crap, if anyone talks about influencer marketing, walk out the door. Like, don't even walk in this door and talk to me about influencer marketing right now if I'm a brand. But I'm telling you from me, if you're watching the show and you work for a brand or you don't, maybe you have a small mom and pop shop or maybe you have clients, you really need to vet who you decide to work with. Okay. If it's a large influencer, if it's a small influencer, if it's, you know, Johnny's kid sister that goes peddling your product down the street, I don't care. 
everyone needs to represent your brand the way you intend it. Okay. And, and like Mitch Jackson made comments, you know, earlier on in the show, in the comments here, make sure everything is contractually aligned with who you are and you have ways to, um, you know, not that it's going to offset, uh, you know, a PR nightmare, but at least you're protected legally from things. So, um, you don't want to take this lightly. You want to make sure you have legal and you have a lot of experienced folks in your corner taking a look at anything you do online, but especially when you're bringing in outsiders like influencer marketing. Um, Nancy Merlin says a brain, common sense, wisdom, business, and marketing sense, all important to working in this business at any age. Uh, Terry Johnson says the brand message is your baby. Watch who you let babysit. Mm. That's a great point. Uh, Jeff Koga says right thing is, is relative. And so is scale. I don't think it's, it's any different than Charles Barkley saying, I'm not a role model. That boosted Nike yep. sales and Gatorade. That's right. Um, and then Brian Fanzo <laughs> said, uh, I get nervous sending out my email to my list of 4,000. 50 million, I might never post the video if I had that audience. <clears> and it just goes no to doubt. show that Brian has the brain, right? Like he's thinking, oh man, there's a lot more responsibility that comes with this. And and Roberto, you know, you know that a lot of these YouTubers, a lot of these influencers, they've never had real jobs. They've never done anything else but this. They don't understand what it means to truly influence. Um, with with all that said, with all that said, I thank you all for watching. Our show, Brand Matters, is live every Wednesday afternoon. That's uh, right. And this is episode number 10, which it seems it's kind of like a milestone. We're now in the double digits. We are. This is, uh, this is awesome. And, and we've had amazing guests on the show, amazing topics. We've had uh, the pleasure of having really uh, – Topics that are usually very polarizing. We've had amazing conversations, and mm-hmm. it just goes to show how respectful and how amazing our community is that we've built here. Um, but you know, I thank you guys for for being here every week and supporting the show. Please share if you care, uh, and also give a nice round of applause or uh, daps on the interwebs for Roberto Blake and Chris Brogan. Thank for you very much, Chris and Roberto, uh, for this amazing show, Rob. As always, thanks, buddy, for uh, for doing this, producing the show, enlightened audio visuals, brand room, handling the production of the show, Vincenzo Landino at Aftermark. We'll see you in the next one. Thank you guys very much. We'll see you soon. This has been a VincenzoLandino.com production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the Brand Boost podcast, please give us a rating, write a review, or subscribe. Head on over to BrandBoostCast.com forward slash subscribe.